Everything I've been through makes me better than the last me. All up in fifth was spreading this truth of compassion. And whenever they ask him, I be, I be, I be praising. You just heard Praisin from the album The Intro by Denise LaShawn. Go check out Denise LaShawn's music on Spotify or any other music site. Hi, my name is Margaret, and you have ventured your way into the beautiful Collision podcast. I believe when the good and amazing, great parts of your life collide with the bad, messy, and hard parts of your life, they make you into the beautiful and amazing person that you are. On this podcast, you're going to hear stories of people from all walks of life. And my hope is that you resonate with some and embrace your own story. All right, everyone. I'm so glad you were back here with us today on the Beautiful Collision Podcast. I know it's been a while. Um, this is the first episode in a while, but I'm so excited that this is the episode that's going to be coming out this summer. Um, so today I have my wonderful friend here, Elle, but her name is Eleanor. <laughs> um, so Eleanor, why don't you introduce yourself, tell people where you're from, a little bit about you. Hey, my name is Eleanor Willis. I'm from a little town in West Texas. Some people argue that it's Central Texas. I choose to ignore them, but it's a little town called Abilene. Okay. And I've been married for almost 13 years to a man named Randy. Randy Willis. Uh Sometimes I claim him. (laughs) And I have three awesome kiddos. My oldest is Boston, and he's eight. Mm-hmm. which is crazy. And then my middle son is Judah, and he's five. Oh. And then we just had a little girl named Hope. Who's so cute. She is. <laughs> and she is almost five months old, which is just nuts that she's almost that old now. Oh, that's so So that's awesome. my little family. Yeah, that's awesome. So you said you're from Abilene, Texas. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what is, tell us like some fun fact about Abilene, because maybe people that are listening don't even know <laughs> anything <Yes>. about <laughs> Abilene, Texas. So, uh, let's see. It's home to Dias Air Force Base. Okay. Which is how my mom and dad met. My dad was at Dias, and they fell in love that way. And then there are five colleges, mm-hmm. um, three of which are... In that small little town? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so three of which are Christian universities. Okay. And um, let's see. What else is... Oh, it is now the storybook capital of Texas, and it's, it's trying to become the storybook capital of America. What? What does that mean, storybook capital? So it's awesome. <laughs> they bring in, once a year, they have a festival okay. in downtown, like a little quaint little town would do, <laughs> and um, they bring in authors, children's mm-hmm. book authors or, yeah. or illustrators, right? and they come in and do this full-on weekend, and you get to hear the author or the illustrator read the book to the kids, and then what? you can get a signed copy of the book. And they create um, downtown. There's all these little statues from characters from the book okay. all over the place. And so it's really sweet to take your kids to. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Have you taken your kids back to do it? Um, my mother and father are avid. We go. Okay. <laughs> uh, this, sadly, this is going to be the first summer in a couple of years that mm-hmm. we're not going to get to do it. But yeah, we go. Oh. And it's pretty fun. That's fun. 
So growing up in small town mm. um, and now living like in Houston, yes. big town, yes. <laughs> big city, yes. um, what are some of the, like, I guess, things that you miss about a small town and or things that you love about like the big city, like kind of just comparing the two? So definitely miss going across town takes you eight minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I miss that. Yeah. Um, I worked in college my freshman year in college, sophomore year in college. Uh-huh. I worked at a boys and girls club in another little area called Wiley, which uh-huh. is just a little town okay. right outside of Abilene. Mm-hmm. And that was considered going across town. And it <laughs> took me a whopping 15 minutes. <laughs> so I miss that. Yeah. Uh, I miss it was easier to have community just in the sense yeah it was a season of life I was in but also just they were just close you could do it you could hop on over after work and Mm -hmm. know you're not gonna have to deal with an hour-long traffic Mm -hmm. to get somewhere right so I miss that of course I miss my family Mm -hmm. that lives there um what I love about the city though Mm -hmm. is there's a lot to do yeah if you're bored it's your fault oh yeah exactly um and I love the diversity, yeah. spe- specifically to do with Houston. Yeah. That's kind of fun. Yeah. Um, to get to experience different cultures. Yeah. There's just like a handful of cultures in mm-hmm. Abilene. Yeah. <laughs> and once you've experienced them, that's it. There you, you know? go. <laughs> so, uh, I enjoy that about Houston yeah, a lot. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yes. I've never grown up in a small town. Houston is my native yeah. place. So I'm always curious because people moving to Houston, I feel like Houston's such a transplant city. I didn't realize that. Yeah, it is. Really is. And so everyone's from all over. And so I just always like to hear the. Yeah. So when we meet one of you guys born and raised here, we're like, oh, fancy that. We found one. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Seriously. It's like actually really rare. Yeah. Um, so kind of going back to your family a little bit, you said um, that, you know, small town community. So you grew up being really close with your family. Yes, we are. Uh, primarily a gaggle of loud women. Oh. Uh, there are a few men sprinkled in. <laughs> bless their hearts. <laughs> As we like to say, bless their hearts. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we have a, a very strong group of women specifically. I feel like the men are very strong too. Mm. I think they keep their fair distance because... <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that was, I grew up with cousins and mm-hmm. they were the closest thing to sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, and cause you um, don't have biological, biological. No, I brother. don't. Me I too. just have a brother. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, th- that was a very, we were very close knit that yeah. way. Were y'all always close as a family? Like what really made that kind of tight knit community in your family? Yeah, we were always close cause we lived right, you know, five yeah. minutes across town, yeah. you know? So, um, that was my weekend playmates. It was yeah. my cousins, and uh, that was my weekend fighting. Was my cousin, <laughs> and uh, that yeah, my aunt lived out in a little town called Noodle, Texas. Mm-hmm. I know, and um, so we'd go there a lot of weekends, my brother and I, and spend it mm-hmm. uh, with my two girl cousins mm-hmm. and my one guy cousin. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So where did you meet your husband? In Abilene? I did. Okay. Abilene. Okay. Abilene, Texas. Mm-hmm. And so y'all got married. And then I know before you came to Houston, there was a stop, a pit stop city. It's called Hondo, Texas. Hondo, Texas. Another small town. Very. It's much smaller than even Abilene. Abilene. Mm-hmm. Okay. So was it kind of the same dynamic being in Hondo for you or? Not what? at all. Not at all. Okay. No. T- tell us. No, tell us about that. Tell us about that. Yeah. So Randy and I got married and two weeks later we moved. Moved um, to his first ministry job and to our first move. I mean, my first solid move 
of my entire life. I lived in the same house until I was 18 years old. Wow. Yeah. And um, moved off my freshman year of college mm-hmm. and then came back my sophomore year. And um, so it was my first real big, like, I'm yeah. not I'm not coming back to Abilene County Move. Uh, and it was a totally different church than I was ever mm-hmm. raised mm-hmm. in. And um, it was just a whole new world. And it was really small. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully... There was San Antonio hot 30 minutes away, <laughs> yeah. 45 minutes away. So when it got really bad, I'd just go to San Antonio. Go shopping? Yeah, get some culture. Yeah. Um, so not to say there's not culture in Honda, yeah. but just a different culture. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, it, Honda was a hard, harder season because it was probably one of the loneliest seasons mm-hmm. for me. Um, but I definitely believe that was God's hand mm-hmm. of taking me there, mm-hmm. getting me out of my complete comfort yeah. zone that was Abilene yeah. where everybody I knew and was comfortable with. And yeah. Honda was not that way. Yeah. Um, so. And I know you're really big on just community mm-hmm. and just like having that. Mm-hmm. And so I know I can imagine moving to a new city, a new place, being newlyweds, trying mm-hmm. to like navigate that, mm-hmm. you know, and, and trying to also build community is hard. And I know um, there's so many people that even have just moved to Houston who struggle with this like loneliness thing you were talking about. Yeah. Can you kind of talk about how you worked through that if it really ended when you were there or if it or if like the whole time you were there you were just experiencing this loneliness factor and how do you how do you do that? Because I think too also after college for a lot of people or when they you know start like working and living. Right. Finding community is so different than, you know, like in high school or in college where it's just kind of like embedded. It was right. like if you didn't really have, you know, if you didn't really have that, it wasn't because it wasn't being sought out. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So the the interesting part about Hondo for Randy and I is um, sometimes, this isn't true, but but I'll just say it. Sometimes it felt like our golden years were gone. <laughs> and the closest peer group that we had was either one of our youth girls, Carrie, or one of our neighbors, Carol Lindsay's, who's in her 60s. And I just, I love her. So she's losing this. I love you, Carol. Um, but that was kind of our mm-hmm. our close. There were people in closer age, but mm-hmm. not in the same season. Like, we didn't have kids. That was yeah. our anomaly. We weren't in high school. Yeah. And we weren't married with kids. We were just married. <laughs> um, so it was a really lonely season for me because <clears throat> there wasn't too many peer peer relationships for me at that point but I genuinely believe that's where God had me for a while but um it didn't stay that way Mm -hmm. no um probably towards the latter year year and a half Mm -hmm. we were there Mm -hmm. there were some relationships peer as well as um older older people that I made relationships with um, and I think for me, I, I mean, here's the, here's the truth of it. Yeah. I It was a two-story home we lived in there. Yeah. And the second story is a dungeon and cave. I don't know who would want to put up there, <laughs> but we did it. But there was a room literally full of boxes, empty boxes, because I was like, Lord, I'm not staying here long, so I'm going to keep my, all my boxes. They were good boxes, too. I'm going to keep all my boxes so that when it's time to move, I'm ready. I don't have to go find boxes, which now I look back and I laugh because it's just so ludicrous that yeah. that's what I was doing. Yeah. But I think I was so um, shackled. Mm-hmm. I wasn't free. I was so shackled to the idea of getting out yeah. that I never loosed the shackles and and decided to stay freely, if you will. Mm-hmm. It's almost like God was like, I'll keep you here until you're, mm-hmm. until you're free. Yeah. Um, and so... 
eventually I came around and got some relationships started. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just, I was, I wanted to ask that because I know some people listening, like just this loneliness thing is, is really hard. And sometimes loneliness can, or the feeling of loneliness can be from a plethora of things, you know, past things, you know, you know, things like that. And, um, things that have happened in people's life. And so, but just like how, how you get through that and how you like navigate that, I think people always just really need to hear because it's hard. Yeah. And I think the big difference for me between the high school, college relationships to adult relationships was, I think I stayed in my own little niche and click, if you will, in high school and college to Mm -hmm. some degree. Yeah. And then when you get into the adult world, it's, it's, I feel like it's just different. There's Mm -hmm. just so many more people if you will, in your sphere that you walk, or at least for me, that I walked across mm-hmm. their path. And uh, instead of making all the prejudgments mm-hmm. of like, oh, yeah, that's probably not going to, mm-hmm. that's probably not going to work. Yeah. I mean, one of the sweetest relationships I had in yeah. Hondo was with a wonderful neighbor that was 60 yeah. plus years old. Sorry, yeah. Carol. <laughs> um, and um, it, I, I just, Randy and I used to kick ourselves because it waited till the last year, year yeah. and a half we were there for that to really mm-hmm. blossom. Mm-hmm. And I just, that's a sweet relationship. Mm-hmm. I would have never necessarily mm-hmm. thought about mm-hmm. previously. Yeah. So, Do you think also sometimes in new places it's like a fear of rejection? Like not wanting to get too close to new, to new people because you're afraid of like what they're going to think about you, you know, like... They don't know me. I'm this nuanced person in this new city. Do you think that sometimes has to play? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was, I didn't want to really get to know anybody because I was, I was leaving. Yeah. Remember, I got a room full of boxes. Yeah. Yeah. So why am I going to take root in relationship with someone hardcore Mm -hmm. if I'm just, if God's just going to, I mean, we're going to leave. So, you know, but we were there for five years. So (laughs) it was a long time to not have had any relationship, if you will. Yeah. Um, I know I've talked to you about this before, but um, since I kind of started on this fear of rejection train, yeah. Um, why don't you kind of just explain? So I think staying in that camp, there is um, for a lot of women um, in a lot of arenas. I've heard of very recently too um, this like fear of what people are going to think about them mm-hmm. and rejection. So again, that can be a new city. That can be because of a plethora of reasons. Um, and so for you, like, what do you think are some of the things that may cause those fears? And have you, have you felt that you just scenario in your own life? Yeah. So for me, it started out with my biological father. Mm-hmm. And when I was born, my mom and biological dad were going through a, a divorce mm-hmm. and he had been unfaithful in the marriage. And, um, it, he just, it wasn't working. Yeah. So, um, he didn't really come around consistently when I was born. And if he did, it was primarily with my brother because I was a newborn. Yeah. But even that kind of trickled off for whatever reason. And, um, I think that was the beginning of the rejection issues that I had. I mean, my own earthly biological father couldn't love me. Well then who could? Yeah. And that, that I think set the trajectory of my childhood of trying to prove Mm-hmm. that I'm good enough, that I'm worthy enough. Yeah. And I did that through a lot of works that I do, accomplishments that I would do. Yeah. And that's where I found my worth. And so therefore, if I didn't work hard or accomplish, I was a failure yeah. and worth nothing. Yeah. Um, so that was the beginning, I believe. Um, I had a really close 
best friend Mm -hmm. at the time that kind of just pushed me off to the side and had nothing to do with me eventually. And that kind of fanned into flame some of that some more. And then um, I was in a two and a half year relationship in high school. Mm -hmm. um, And there was a lot of unhealthiness to that relationship, but I think it definitely spurred on some more rejection. Yeah. Um, And that's just hard. And I never dealt with it. Now the Lord sent in a a wonderful man that is my father today when I was two and a half years old, Yeah. two years old, whatever. Yeah. And he's my dad in every way. Uh Um, And he was a great father from two on. It's just, I've lived it under the shroud of my fa- yeah. biological father rejecting me yeah. and not having anything to do with me. Yeah. And just, that's a hard, hard thing to recover from. Right. And I don't know that there was ever a process to deal with that for me. Yeah. Do you think it, you've seen it affect, so do you think it's uh, affected things even now or had affected things maybe in your or initial relationship with Brandy? Or... Oh gosh, it's penetrated every area of my <laughs> life. There's not one it hasn't touched. Yeah. I mean, even even today, and yeah. I'm 34 going on 35 this summer, like, Woo, girl, yeah, girl. <laughs> um, that's right. Uh, it still affects. Yeah. I still have to choose who my decisive validator is going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, the only person that can be that is God. Yeah. And I get in trouble when I allow someone else to be my yeah. validator yeah. and not him. Yeah. Yeah. That was something this past fall. I was in some professional counseling. Yeah. And uh, just, I needed to deal with some things and process some things with mm-hmm. um, someone that knew what they were doing, <laughs> which I'm a huge proponent for. I'll say that out into the atmosphere right now. There you go. Um, but that was something that we came down to is, you know, Christ can only be the only person that can be my decisive validator yeah. is Christ. Yeah. And anytime I let anybody else into that, that ring, I'm going to be in trouble. Yeah. No, that's, that's true. And I think it stops you from like going for things. Absolutely. Doing things. Absolutely. Just like being who you're created to be. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think so many people live in that sphere. Like, and so obviously it wasn't, I mean, obviously you say even now you're still working through that. Absolutely. So, so how do you encourage the person who's like, I just, I've been so hurt. I don't, you know, in the past and I've been rejected so much in the past. Like, how do I, how do I even go for it? How do I forgive? How do I navigate? Um, I don't know how that's happened for you or if you're still working with through that. But, you know, how do you forgive some of those wrongs that have been done to you to mm-hmm. navigate? Because I feel like that kind of has to go Hand-in-hand, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a massive process. Yeah. And okay. it takes a good yes. a good bit of time. So it took forever for me to mm-hmm. truly forgive my biological father. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm definitely, I have forgiven him. Yeah. There are still moments in my life where I'll, I'll get a little sad about yeah. that. But it's very fleeting and very quick. And yeah. not, it's, it's not consistent at all, um, which is great. But... I mean, it took years of processing that. And, um, you know, I think, honestly, my dad, who technically would be my stepfather, but he's my dad, (laughs) who adopted me when I was 18. Yeah. He was a part of the healing process for me of that, of just even realizing the Lord has sent him into my life Mm -hmm. to help know that I am worth something. Somebody wants me. Yeah. You know, and my dad has shown me that 
absolutely unconditionally across the board. And he had no need to do that. Like that's not his job technically, but he chose to step in. And I think that's Jesus. That's the cross. He chose to step in. And I think also realizing that I'm just as filthy. Yeah. I'm just as, as gross. Uh, (laughs) In the sense of like, I sin. My sin is just as nasty as my, my biological father's. And the guy I dated in high school. And the only thing that differentiates for me is I've cried out to the Lord and said, will you forgive me? Yeah. Will you wipe this clean? Right. And when you realize the depths of the despair that you are, yes. I think you can have more compassion for the people that have absolutely, completely hurt you to to the deepest depths of your soul. Yeah. And that the rest of the world will look at it and say, oh, well, you, you don't have to forgive them. Like, that was miserable. That was horrible. That should right. never happen. That's right. against nature even. Like, yeah, you're mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. But... The Lord should have never done what he did mm-hmm. for me yeah. on the cross. Yeah. And uh, he still chooses to walk with me and love me. Mm-hmm. So it, the least I can do is forgive my quote unquote brother yeah. or sister, you know? Yeah. Um, now, these are great words, but sometimes it's long and arduous yes. to do that. And yeah. sometimes um, things like, even when I was in Hondo, my biological father would call around holiday seasons and it, it always hurt me yeah. because okay, the only time you want contact is when you want me around for a holiday. Yeah. And every time I'm in that phone call, I'd hang it up and then I'd have to go cry about it. Yeah. And um, realize I got to forgive him right now. Yeah. Yeah. I just have to forgive him. No, that's real. And I think to the people listening, just knowing that it takes time, because I think sometimes some people can hear from other people just... Just forgive them, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just like, I don't know what the phrase is, the figurative language is, whatever it is, but you know, just, just do it, you know, just mm-hmm. pray about it or just, you sometimes you hear those in the, in these circles, mm-hmm. um, especially Christian communities and knowing just to hear you say that sometimes things are a process, healing is a process, which obviously, I mean, makes sense, like, you know, logically, but you right. know, um, I don't think everyone really gets that encouragement all the time. And so just to hear you say that, I feel like that's just very encouraging to know, like, everything takes time. Right. That, but last semester, I'm sitting across from my counselor in, <laughs> in New York, and I'm saying, you know, I'm frustrated because I feel like I should be over this, yeah. quote unquote. I should be done with this issue. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm not. And I'm really upset with myself about it. Yeah. And I remember her point blank looking at me. She says, who told you you should be done? Well, <laughs> I guess I did. Nobody's yeah. telling me that. <laughs> yeah. I guess I did. And yeah. She's like, well, why? Yeah, yeah. And I was kind of like, well, I'm a Christian, so this should just be natural and just be done. Yeah. And it was just such a falsehood. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of the problem. When we're not in community that we start trying to navigate and dictate our road and our path towards some of this. But yeah. sometimes we're so blinded. Mm-hmm. That we can't do that on our own sometimes. Yeah. And I was in community last semester. Um, still. Yeah. We, we've got to give ourselves grace. You know, I I heard, I'm, uh, I listen to books right now in my life because yes. I don't have the time to read books in my I'm life. Gonna, I listen to books and I may have the time to read books, but I still listen yeah, to books. Yeah, because you can do it as you go. And I was listening to this particular book and it's something I loved and I thought, oh, I need to practice that is... How you speak to others is how you should speak to yourself. How you counsel others is how you should counsel Ooh, yourself. Good. And so often I'm sitting there beating myself up continually. Yeah. Like, ugh, 
I should be past this season of my life. Like I should be moving on totally set free, yeah. completely, no no baggage. And that's a lot of that is true verbiage, yes. But I think it, you still have to process it yeah. through healing. Yeah. And so I'd encourage the person out there that is having such a hard time forgiving and moving forward yeah. and and is dealing with rejection. Yeah. Um give yourself time. Yeah. Find a trusted network of people. Yeah. AKA community. Community. And be vulnerable with yeah. them. That's why they need to be trusted and they don't need to be plenty. They need to be few. Yes. And um and seek their advice and mm-hmm. counsel. Yeah. Um and then if if necessary, go see a counselor too. Like yeah. there's uh, nothing wrong with that. There's no shame in that. Yeah. I, I would encourage it to be a believer if you're a believer. Yeah. Um, and begin your process and your journey. Yeah. And it, I think for me, I may always deal with rejection. Yes. Like it might be my first fleshly go-to. Ugh. Yeah. I was rejected. Yep. But I think a part of that for me is it requires me to go to the Lord. Right. And have some conversation with him. Yeah. Whereas if that whole issue wasn't a part of my life, I don't know if I'd be pushed as much to go to the Lord and right. see his face. That's good. So. I was going to ask, has vulnerability ever been hard for you? Or is that? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I only asked that to, because, um, you know, when you were kind of naming the three things, community, be vulnerable. Vulnerability, um, obviously, is a whole nother courage leaping Absolutely. thing. I would ask, how do you? And maybe there's not, again, a step process. How do you find and know, like, who to be vulnerable with? Mm. Um, I ask that, again, because I, I really feel like there are people listening to it. Okay, you know, I'm writing this down. You know, Elle's selling all, all these things, saying all these things. Um, so now, who, who do I, how do I know? Like, who do I know to go to? Mm. How do I know who to be vulnerable with? And I don't know if there's a process for that. It may look different for everybody, but mm-hmm. maybe you can say how you figure that out. Yeah, I think, I think you show up. Yeah, show up. Okay. That's the first step. So <laughs> whether that's your workout class, <laughs> your community group at church, your baking class, your PTA moms, or, you know, the basketball team that the old dads with the old bods show up to and try to, you know, relive the glory days. There you go. <laughs> Whatever it is, you show up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you show up consistently. Yeah. Like you can't. I don't think you can expect to show up every blue moon and build a community off of that. Right. Um, and I think, you know, to, you have to be a friend to have a friend. It's just such a corny cliche, but it's really true. Yeah. Like, and I think over time, mm-hmm. the time effect, you start realizing right. who those people are going to be for you. Yeah. Um, and it's not just that they're pouring into you, but you pour into them and they receive that. They're, it's, it's uh, oh, okay. Yeah. They do, they welcome it. Yeah. Um, I think that's one of the biggest first steps for me in building those community. And, I, you know, I can show up to a place, like we were talking about, show up, and I can start conversing with people. And I kind of know inside of my depths that, yeah. oh, we're probably not going to be BFFs. And <laughs> that's not a bad thing. Right, right. Because they're going to be somebody's BFF. <laughs> and I'm going to be somebody's BFF, right? Like, it's not it's not a bad well, we'll thing. Find a wall, my friends. Right, right. <laughs> Um, but you just kind of know in your, your depths and yeah. I've, I've missed the mark of time or two, yeah. but God's grace covers that. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so that's kind of 
where yeah. I would start out. No, that that's that's helpful. I think even we just all sometimes need that kind of okay. Where do we start? What do we do? Because vulnerability can be really scary. For yeah. People. I mean, probably for everyone, but well, not everybody's gonna like me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I know, shocking. Right? <laughs> um, but I've dealt with that. Like, mm-hmm. okay, and that's kind of where I'm at in this life this season of my life is really realizing that everybody's going to like me. Mm, yeah. And I don't need to um, cater who I am to people liking me Ooh, or that's not. that's good. That's like, yeah, good. Either it's going to, either they are or they aren't. And that doesn't mean I have to be a big meanie. <laughs> no. <laughs> but I'm realizing, like, that's okay. And yeah. I can rest in the fact that somebody is going to rally with them and be friends with them and be community with them and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And if it's not me, that's okay. Yes. Oh, that, that's another good nugget too, that not everyone's going to like, I feel like I struggle with that sometimes. Oh yeah. Not everyone's going to love me. (laughs) I mean, that sounds really conceited when I say it like that, but you know, just this idea, I mean, you want, you desire to be loved, you want to be loved, you want to have friends. And so this idea is like genuinely, it's impossible for, and if everyone likes you, that probably says a lot sometimes more about you in the sense of that, like. You have to be catering to a lot of different things because there's no way everyone is going to fall in line with your personality. And again, it doesn't mean that they think you're mean. It's just like not everyone is going to vibe with you. Right. Because um, not everyone vibes with Jesus either. And oh. You know, he's perfect. So, you know. He made a lot of people upset. <laughs> exactly. So. He looked at the Bible. Yeah. Sure there, did. there you go. There you go. So I just, I don't know. I really kind of love that. Yeah. Space of space of that. Okay. So switching gears a little bit. All right. Um, because so obviously now we're in Houston, clearly, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and we're in the big city and something I admire about you and your husband, um, is this like, as married people with three kids, Mm. um, and three younger kids, um, you still have this like desire to like host and bring people into your home Mm -hmm. of all different walks of life. So not just married people. You know, us single people over here. Yeah. Um, and I I love that you just, like, kind of bring people into your lives. You know, let us come over and just enjoy life with you and things like that. And I don't know. I don't know if that's a conversation like y'all had. Like, when we were married, we want to be these, like, hosting, commun- I don't know, community-oriented people. But I think what what is – how do I ask this question? There's such a beauty in that. I don't think – I think some families – and couples, like, it's kind of, I felt sometimes it's a stiff arm, you know, mm. like, this is my, like, family unit, and, like, no one, <laughs> they don't really bring people in. Like, what yeah. has motivated y'all to do that? Like, just to have, and to house people. Y'all house people a lot. And when I say house people, like, people live with them over mm-hmm. time, not just, like, overnight sleepover. <laughs> <laughs> Although we welcome those, too. <laughs> we welcome those, too. But what has kind of spurred that on as, as a family? Yeah, I think... I'm the primary agent within our home. <laughs> thoroughly enjoys that and could do that all the time. Randy enjoys it. It's been more of a learning enjoyment for him. Uh, but I think he's finally there. Yeah. Um, I, you know, uh, I just think I, I look at, I know this, now this is real. I look at Jesus and he just invited people. Yeah. He was an includer. Um, and I love that about him. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, Randy and I are very relational people. Like, we just thrive in relationship. Mm -hmm. We both know we will not do as well if we're not in relationship. Mm -hmm. And I think um, the more diverse the people that come through our door, the better. Yeah. We're better for it. Yeah. Um, 
So whether they're single Mm -hmm. or married Mm -hmm. or married with children or older, more seasoned veterans, they're welcome (laughs) in our home. You know, we've had unbelievers in our home. We've had, I don't want to go down the list, but we've had a lot of different people within our home. And um, it's been some of the best times. Yeah. And I sometimes, no offense if this is you, but I sometimes look at people who don't do that and go, well, gosh, what do you, what is fun in your life? Like, <laughs> you've got to have a bored life, I feel like, to some degree. And they're like, yes, and that's the way we like it. But um, for our family, it's just more exciting and it's mm-hmm. more fun. Mm-hmm. And I want my children to see different people. Yeah. From the time they were little. Yes. Like, I don't want them to wait till they're 18 and, and venture out in the world. And that's when they start discovering different people. Different people. <laughs> um, so they're getting raised in that. And yeah. Randy and I can have conversations about that. Yeah. And uh, with our oldest, it has definitely led to some interesting conversations. Yeah. And he's, those wheels are turning in yeah. his head. And um, it's just beautiful. I think that's just a picture of what heaven's going to be like. Like, it's just going to be a big old dining table, at least in my head. And yes. everybody's going to be eating some good. Yes. I think southern food. Yeah. Um, Enjoying each other's company yeah. and uh, all the while pointing toward Jesus the right. entire time. Right. So we love it. We love being able to provide a safe sp- a space for people who need a mm-hmm. refuge for a season mm-hmm. of their life, even in our home. And it's it can be taxing sometimes and hard. Um, that's why we have seasons where, you know, we take some time off. Yeah. Like the seventh year, they would take some time off on their fields of planting in the Bible. And we do that, yeah, too. Yeah, We're firm believers in that. But... Um, why have a home with an extra room if you don't intend to use it? Right. Oof. So that's that, kind of the point preach. of buying yeah. our, our home in general was yeah. we wanted a home with four rooms. There and you go. The reason was we wanted to have a room where we could have people come and Ugh. abide in it and have a refuge. That, that's good. Yeah. Well, I really like that. Yeah. I learned from that a lot, so I'm, I'm so thankful for that. Do it. Um, another thing about Elle is she's actually very artsy and creative and like can just see a vision and like put it together and like do all the little knickknacks and all that kind of stuff and I know you work in ministry now Mm -hmm. but was there ever a time when you wanted to do like design or like she's incredible y'all so I mean if you're in Houston then you need some (laughs) contract work I don't know if I'm allowed to call call like that but she's great I'll take it (laughs) Like, so what got you interested in that? Have you always kind of been, like... I have always enjoyed uh, the creative side. Yes. I have always enjoyed it. It's always been a hobby. And for a season in Hondo, I owned my own photography business. So it was definitely the creating was something I enjoyed then and I do now. I don't get to do it as often Uh because of my young children and staying at home. But I don't regret that. I love it. But, um... I just love it. I think that we serve a creator, not a duplicator. He's a creator. There you go. And he creates, and I, I love that. And I love um, the challenge that it gives me. Yeah. Um, and just to start start from a clean slate. Yeah. And then to just sit there and start adding different yes. elements. Yeah. 
I love it. Didn't you used to do like fashion? Yeah, so I majored in fashion and retail management. Wow. So it was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. So like putting outfits together and like. Yeah, that was one of my dreams was just to be called up by like, you know, Macy's and say, we need you to be a buyer for our company. Go find all these outfits oh, and put it together yeah. for our. Yeah, I loved that concept. Yeah. And God had different plans for me. I mean, maybe in, like, a way, you know, way down the road. You never know, girl. Well, and I've gotten to do creating just in ministry, you yeah, know. Like, yeah. a couple weekends ago, Mother's Day. Yes. Got to do a Mother's Day flower bar. And yes. And that was, was fun so to create. Cool. Yes, um, yes. I love that. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I love that. We did, like, a floral. I'm not creative, so I just admire people that oh, <laughs> wow. have the creative. Your podcast is creating. Yes, but... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's just a different aesthetic. Okay, there you go. It's a different aesthetic. I have, like, the hands-on, like, crafty things that literally stresses me out. Yeah. I was in a wedding once, and we had to, like, do that stuff beforehand. Oh, man. And I was just like, please just tell me what to do. Did you wear deodorant that day? I did. Okay. I did, because literally... It stresses like, me I out, actually yeah. could probably start sweating, so. <laughs> That's how I feel with numbers. Okay. What you just said is how I feel about numbers. <laughs> numbers, budgeting, oh, all my gosh. finances... <laughs> Oh, man. Stress. Sweat. Sometimes yeah. I have a glass of wine before I start. There you go. But there that's a go. bad thing because then my numbers may not be completely accurate. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so. Oh, that, that's awesome. Okay. So you're uh, you're also in ministry now. Mm-hmm. And you've been doing that for how long? Mm-hmm. Oh, probably a long time. I mean, yeah. Long. I mean, probably 15 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in one way or another. Yeah, in one way or another. Definitely 13 with, like, by my husband's side in ministry. Mm -hmm. But even before he came along, I was involved in ministry. Before you were there, Randy. Right, on a volunteer level. I was doing these things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then he found you. Yep, he found me. (laughs) He found you. Um, Okay, so um, I actually worked in ministry for a short stint. Yeah. um, For two years after college, and now I do not. Um, But I think um, there is... Uh, and this will be kind of like quick, but there's sometimes a stigma when it comes to the ministry world mm-hmm. um, that, well, this is what I thought. Maybe it's not a stigma. I was like, oh, this is going to be like so exciting in the sense like everyone's just going to get along and like love each other and like <laughs> just, you know, uh, I don't even know how to explain it, but just be so connected all the time. Mm. All the time, and it's just going to be, like, easy, because things are going to just be fun and lackadaisical and all that kind of stuff. And I got into it, and there were so many nuances <laughs> that I didn't expect. Um, and that's not why I left. I just, I felt like, you know, it was time for a new season. But um, I don't know, what are some of, have been some of the beauties, but even, and you don't have to go into deep detail, but just in general, like, um, things that you didn't expect that were that have that are hard to as well that have come into ministry in life. Does that make sense? Yeah. How long's your podcast? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> we got a few minutes. We got a few minutes. Yeah. Oh man. Um, <clears throat> and you can debunk stigmas. I'm all about that too. Oh you know? gosh. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think part of the vulnerability, even tying it with your vulnerability part, is. When I was not in ministry and I looked at pastors and their families, um, it didn't matter if it was head pastor or associate or youth pastor, you name the, the job title. 
in ministry, but I was always like, oh, we got it together. Ugh, like I don't want them to see my mess. Ugh, you know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, just kind of, there was a reverence, and I think to some degree it was an unhealthy reverence. Yes. To some degree it was a healthy reverence. Um, but now being on this side of ministry um, and looking back, I'm, I just think people in ministry roles – in a church setting or a, a nonprofit. Yeah, nonprofit. Um, mm-hmm. That's what I worked. <laughs> you know, they have just as much ish to deal with as the rest of us. Yes. And they struggle just like all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you see something that isn't 100% right, mm-hmm. realize that sin still abounds in their life and they still need Jesus just as much as you oh, do. Oh, that's good. And... Um, don't discredit or discount them mm-hmm. because you don't want them to see your your stuff. Yeah. Because it's, I know this sounds bizarre, but sometimes it's comforting. It's like this. <laughs> As a stay-at-home mom, I walk into certain mom's houses, and every mom out there will probably go, uh-huh. <laughs> um, and it's just immaculate. It's perfect. It's just so put together and pristine, and I sometimes go, ugh. I'm not a very good mom. I need to get it together better. <laughs> but then I walk into the mom. It's a little disheveled. It's a little messy. It's just, you know, hair's up in a bun. They may or may not brush their teeth that morning. It's debatable. <laughs> and it's comforting to me. Yeah. Because it's like, okay, I'm not the only one. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think for me, ministry is very hard and not everybody gets along at all. Because, again, not everybody's going to like you, right? Right. But there's a part of me that I've been around pastors and wives and they're unapproachable mm-hmm. just the way they present themselves mm-hmm. or the way I perceive them to mm-hmm. it's, it's both sides of this but they're unapproachable and I've really wanted to make a huge stride toward being approachable yes and I think part of being approachable is being vulnerable mm-hmm. and showing yeah I I suck too mm-hmm. like I'm I'm a sinner in need of a savior I suck um and I think that's for, at least the way for me, the way that I do relation, that is um, inviting. Yes. An inviting atmosphere. Yeah. No perfect people allowed. Come on. Like, mm-hmm. so ministry is really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that if people saw us more as people. Yes. Um, they would probably be less offended because <laughs> we aren't doing it right. <laughs> and... Um, more willing to just invite us into their life too. Yeah. I love the analogy with the, the home you know, mm-hmm. thing, but just like, you know, when people kind of can see that you're not always put together, but are still striving, mm-hmm. you know, um, for good, then it's, it's easier to be like, okay, <laughs> I'm also not <laughs> put together. Yeah. I've, I've had a lot of crap going on, you know, as well. And I can see that you, that I can come before you with that, right. you know, right? And like, do that. Yeah, and I think vulnerability. Like, I think sometimes people have such a hard time with vulnerability, even in ministry too, is because when people start throwing the arrows, and you get one of those in your side because you're a little more barren, you don't have so much armor on, if you will, because you're being a little more vulnerable. That hurts. Yeah, and so I think it. I think of it like a roly poly. My son's into roly polies a lot right now. They just retract and they put their hard shell up. You yeah. know, they coil into the ball and mm-hmm. their hard shells out. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's what a lot of. No, let me not use a lot of. I think that's what I see in some ministry families yeah. is just um, the retracting of yeah. just like, hey, okay, I don't want to be, I don't want to be harmed again. Yeah. 
with that. But if you're going to be vulnerable, you're going to get some arrows. You're going to get some arrows. Yeah. Then you're going to get some beauty from and comfort from other people at the same time. Oh, man. So, like, the, the, what's it called? The way, the way off? The... The, I don't know what the word is, but the trade. The, the trade, payoff? The payoff. Is that what you're thinking? I don't know. I don't know if it's the payoff, but, you know, like, that you, you will get some arrows and you will get those people, and I don't think we can ever um, completely go live and never be rejected again. No. But the, you will, there's going to be a lot of beauty in that. Like, you will get those people also that are going to, like, come alongside of you and love you, and that's worth that's worth it. Oh, hands Even down. Even for the few, for the other few. Yeah. yeah. And I think, too, the cross, right? If yeah. you look at the cross, the imagery of the cross, it's a very vulnerable state. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, when your arms are nailed to a board and your feet and you're just hanging there, like, anything can attack you. Yeah. You're so super vulnerable. Yeah. Now, he was wise with his vulnerability. He had a purpose to his vulnerability. <laughs> he wasn't just, oh, la, la. <laughs> vulnerability there was yeah. a, a specific plan for it mm-hmm. and i encourage that yeah. do this in wisdom right yeah. but he was still very vulnerable yeah so we have him to look at yeah. and to as we should mimic there you go try to be like so yeah l mm-hmm. oh my gosh this has been so great mm. oh my god a great great time okay so I'm going to ask you the two questions I ask everybody at the end of the okay. podcast. You ready? Um, is there ever, as I will ever be ready. I'm yes. Ready. Okay, so if you could go to lunch or dinner or whatever with anyone, mm-hmm. dead or alive, mm-hmm. who would it be and why? Mm-hmm. And even tell us what you'd eat. Oh, I'm out of that. Gosh, that's a new way. You did not prepare me for that. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, so I'll go with my great grandmother. Uh-huh. Her name is Granny Mouse. It's a long story. Granny Mouse. Granny that's Mouse. so cute. She, and she she was cute. She was shorter than me, and she lived up to her little name. Uh-huh. Um, but she just she died at 103. Wow. She was vivacious. She has an incredible testimony. Um. And I knew her as a young girl. Like, we went over to her house and would stay the weekend sometimes in Midland, Texas, where she lived. And um, she's just always loving and sweet. And she'd always cook our favorite, my brother and I's favorite thing, whatever that was. And mine was bacon. (laughs) (laughs) I know. (laughs) Silly me. And um, so I have memories of that. But what I really remember, she was always happy. She Mm -hmm. was a funny woman. She Uh had humor. Um, she's quirky. Mm-hmm. She was fierce. Yeah. Um, she had, I believe it was six kids. Wow. Five kids. Oh, my memory's going to evade me, but she had to do that on her own because her husband died in a tragic accident. Mm-hmm. And wow. she, she sent her kids off to an orphanage mm-hmm. and she worked in the orphanage to pay their way until she could, she went through barber school. And once she was a barber, she got them all out of the orphanage, and she was able to support them financially. Wow. So this is, this, this is the kind of woman she is. So wow. I'd love to eat lunch with her because, you know, when, when you're 5'8", you don't think of these kind of things. And so now that I'm 34, I wish I could sit there and just pick her brain and, and ask her, you know, what did you do? Well, Greeny, why didn't you, you know, yeah. like so many questions I'd love to ask her. And, oh, that's yeah. so sweet. Yeah. Sweet. Oh, my gosh, I love and that. And then I'd have to add in probably. Yeah. Chris Hemsworth. Yes. Um, just because it's Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> so Chris, um, if you ever get your hands on this podcast, Houston, Texas, we live here. 
and <laughs> just uh, if you'd like to come and get lunch or dinner I mean, with Eleanor Willis, yeah, she is here. I'm here. I'm available. <laughs> we're we're available. We'll change our schedule around. I've already cleared it with Randy. It's all good. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is wonderful. Okay, so last question. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not really a question. It's mm. a statement. Um, if you could encourage, well, right now I would love you to encourage someone. So I'm big on encouragement. I know you're big on encouragement because mm-hmm. you encourage me all the time. Mm. Um, and I love it. So I want you to pick someone that you're going to encourage. You don't have to say their name. You can say their name if you want to. And I want you to encourage them as if they're like sitting directly in front of you like I am. Mm. So just speak to them, whatever your heart, um, well, I don't know, whatever your heart gives way to say. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is a hard one because there's probably 5 million people I would want to sit across from and encourage. That's hard. I know, I know. And I forgot to, I forgot to uh, prep. Hmm. We got to keep going. <laughs> yep. Okay. So, um, I'm probably, okay. Well, gosh, we don't have that much time. Okay. I'm going to go with my two aunts. And I know you said one, <laughs> but here's the deal. <laughs> One is a great aunt. Okay. And one's a quote-unquote normal aunt. Um, <laughs> but we all know she's a little crazy. Uh, but I'm going to pick those two women because they have walked with me through seasons of my life, mm-hmm. challenged me, mm-hmm. encouraged me, prayed with me, cried with me, mm-hmm. laughed with me, mm-hmm. endured me. Mm-hmm. They have done all of those things. Yeah. And it's my great aunt Camille and my aunt Robbie. Your aunties. Yes. Aunties, here you go. Um, and I, I love them to death. And I have other wonderful aunts, no doubt. They know who they are, too. <laughs> um, but I'm going to specifically go with them because uh, they've sat with me yeah. and dined with me while I'm sitting there, like, crying. Yeah. It's not bubbles, the works, and, and, and endured some seasons with me. Yeah. And, um I'm just going to give a small shout out to my mother, too, because she's she's pretty awesome. And she has definitely, in every way, endured her daughter. Yes. Yes. And I believe that needs to be praised. And I just rise up and call her blessed because she's a remarkable woman as well. So mom and auntie number one and auntie number two, I already forgot their names. Camille and Rob. Camille and Rob and mom. Mm-hmm. Ella's sitting across from me and she's so great. And I hope you listen to this and are so encouraged by it. And I love you, Aunt Betsy, too. <laughs> I just, oh, I don't have enough time to go through the list. <laughs> um, Eleanor, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Oh, I know everyone that listens is going to be so encouraged. And, um, yeah, thank you guys for listening. Yeah. And I hope you are encouraged by this podcast. Um, you can find her on Instagram <laughs> and all the things. But, yeah, uh, reach out to me um, just if you have any questions and all that kind of stuff. So have a good day, everyone. Thank you.